FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. And a special welcome this morning to all those listening from Warhope, New, New South Wales on 87.6, those in Crossdale, Queensland, also on 87.6, and finally in Wyong, New South Wales on 87.6. If you are from one of those locations, we would love to hear from you. Send us a text message, give us a call, let us know you're listening to the station. We love hearing from our listeners here on the Breakfast Show. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? How was your weekend? It was packed. Like you had a busy week, absolutely packed. You didn't get a chance like, to breathe. I uh, so yeah. Friday, Friday night, I ran the small group Bible study for that we run on campus, and uh, just the way things worked out, I had to cook and I had to teach the Bible study, and I had to like play guitar because you know we sing some songs and eat, and it was just it was just yeah that was fine. And then the next day, I preached, and then I taught Sabbath school afterwards, and then. After that, my throat was just so coarse, just from speaking out, so out. much that then I uh, we had an afternoon walk, and right now I'm kind of crippled, so I've got my moon boot on and my crutch, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I went over to my friend's place. We're all meeting there afterwards for dinner, and I went over there, and I laid on the couch, and I slept, and it was just the best it was and then everyone showed up and it's like the sun had gone down it was dark and they'd come for dinner and i'm just laying in there asleep and it was awesome so uh praise god for him helping me to do lots of stuff and also to rest as well you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different this morning, as Lawson comes hobbling into the room on his moon, moon boot with today's free giveaway. Uh, well, not free giveaway. <laughs> well, not today's, today's free giveaway. Prize. The quiz, Lyle. The quiz, and the quiz. prize yes, for the week. We've just got mm-hmm. everything organized. We're ready to go. All ready to get to, to hear this question so that you can okay. answer it correctly. This is your first chance. And you have about 25 more chances. But... Wherever you start, the more questions you get correct in our quiz, the more chances you have to be able to win the prize from our draw at the end. But here we go. Paul asked Timothy to bring him his cloak and his what? Okay, if you know the answer, then the number to call is 0491-064-669. What was it that Paul was missing? He left something behind. He needed it. He needed his cloak and he needed something else. If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. And if you do, you'll go into the draw to win possibly one of the greatest sets of extra-biblical literature that yes. there is. This is the Conflict of the Ages box set. Oh, This is... Like, not only are these, these are amazing books. This is in an edition that's in a box set, beautifully printed, amazing, look awesome, would look great in your library, would look great in your hands as you're reading them. But these are books that have been written by one of the most published female authors of all time. And they are all about, The Conflict of the Ages is a Bible commentary that starts right from before Genesis to right when Jesus comes back and after. This book, these books are amazing. I have personally read them. I have been blessed by them. 0491-064-669. They can be all yours. Of course, we're drawing them at the end of the week. But again, that question was, Paul asked Timothy to bring him his cloak and his what? What else? 
his cloak and something else. 0491-064-669. Okay. Give us a call if you know the answer to that particular question. Let's jump into positively different news and let's find out what Lawson's going to talk about today. It's taking off, Lyle. Okay. Today, it's Aeroplanes. taking off. No helicopters. Well, yes, rockets. But all of those space specifically space shuttles and big rockets, Lyle. Yes, let's talk about it. The SLS, the the epic SLS, the SLS, the space the space launch system. Okay, that they are going to be using for Project Artemis, which is the our new twenty first century moon missions that they're going on. Okay, they're testing it today. Oh, cool. And, dude, this thing is awesome. Okay, so this rocket, Lyle, is Mm -hmm. huge. Basically, what they're trying to test is not actually if it can take off because they've just built a massive rocket and they're like, yeah, this thing's kind of... Why don't they just use the old Saturn rockets from back in the day? They seem to function just perfectly. They were like beautiful things. I don't know, because they need new ones. Yeah, but they were just perfection. Well, close to. But these ones are amazing, too. They have eight... 0.8 0.8 million pounds of thrust. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so, it's just going to, like, it's going straight up. What would you do with that on the back of your motorbike? Oh, uh, that is, well, you'd go, go straight you'd up. You'd literally fly. <laughs> you'd go straight up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this system will be also the, when the Artemis uh, project starts to do you know, takeoffs and go on missions and whatnot in 2024, it'll be strapped on. But, yeah, what they're actually trying to test is getting them back in, you know, re-entry, because it's like these rockets will take you, you know, out of orbit, and then from there, whatever spacecraft you're in will then detach and and take off. So what they're actually trying to test is how it is that they can come back without, you know, destroying... Haven't they done this, like, a lot of times already? Yeah, but they just need to do it more and more. This is the most difficult part of the mission, is how can we get the rockets that we use to take off back to us without them being destroyed. Yes. And that's well, that's the, the part of the rocket. The part of the rocket, yeah, without with, without them being destroyed because it costs an incredible amount of money. I was just looking at some of the statistics about the, the, the challenge that they need to overcome in terms of getting these rockets back. So when they re-enter the atmosphere, they'll be moving at around 32 times the speed of sound. Yeah, that's that's pretty fast to be hitting air. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, even thin air, that'd be like hitting a brick wall. Yeah, 38,000 kilometres. And they've got to slow down from that. They've got to slow down. That's a lot of slowing down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, things burn up on entry because yes. it's just simply moving so fast that nothing can survive it. Well, they can survive. You just have to do a lot of work in terms of creating a module that has the ability to... Withstand the heat. That's right. That's, That's right. a lot of friction to slow that down. I mean, you think about the amount of friction, the amount of uh, heat your brakes create because your brakes work on friction in your car and how easily they can get hot just, you know, stopping at the satellites, for instance. Mm. They can be blazing hot while you're sitting there at the satellites because they have slowed that car down from 60 kilometres an hour. Yeah, that's right. And Not 32,000 kilometres an hour. We see in, like, MotoGP and Formula One where they have carbon brakes, like carbon fibre brakes that, slow them down from 300 kilometers an hour and even though those cars only weigh like 750 kilos yeah there's not a lot of weight yeah but then the brakes get up to around 900 to 1000 degrees celsius like they are burning red like if you so how does that not boil the brake fluid 
like just vaporize the. Just they they have special some, some special scientific thing special going special systems for all of it. In fact, wow. th- that's actually interesting. Like the working temperatures are so high for the brakes that they can't use them in the rain because it would take away from. So they have to go back to to steel brakes. But yeah, this is an amazing thing. I am looking forward to this so much because ultimately, like the dream is to get a Faith FM transmitter on the moon. That's that's you know that's what we're planning for. No, not really, but, but I I just love talking about this stuff. I love that we're building big rockets and spending a lot of money on it, even though it might not be the most practical thing ever. It's just awesome. Okay, let's have another story here. This one comes from the United States, where a lady, her name is Lucy. She is you know middle aged, forty five, living with her with living with her husband doing their thing, living their best lives. And her husband, unfortunately, got very, very sick from COVID. You know, I, I had some pretty ter- I had a pretty terrible COVID stint. Lala, you had a pretty terrible COVID stint. A lot of, lots of people did. Um, but this guy from getting COVID ended up on life support for like six months. Ooh, so an incredibly yeah, a nasty one. heavy COVID stint. But luckily, you know, after that six-month stint in hospital, he's come out of it. He's recovered. He's back at home. And they're like, you know what? How can we, how can we, uh, how can we pass the time here? Because there's still more recovery at home that he needs to do. It's like, oh, what can we, what can we sink our time into? What can we love on? And they're like, hey, let's go get a dog. So they go and yep, get, yep, they, they yep. go and get this I fully dog. Support that. Absolutely. And, you know, this dog, it's Brody, super cute. They adopt. Go rescue it from a, from a pound. Get, get a, get a muck from a pound. That's exactly best what they this did. This is the best dogs ever. So they will love you so much. They rescue Brody. They bring Brody home. And Brody's just a nice, lovely dog. But they were noticing, like, every time they'd sit down to watch TV, every time they would, yeah, you know, just relax and whatnot, Brody would go up to Lucy and then just be sniffing her armpit. Now, at first, Lucy's like, am I smelly? Like, what's the deal? But then she's like, no, like, I'm... I'm hygienic, like I'm good. Why why does he keep doing this? Is like always nuzzling up in my right armpit. What's the deal? Anyway, she starts like checking herself out. She's like, is there something wrong with me? And she's feeling around that area and all of a sudden she feels a lump. There's a lump there's cancer there. There's a lump. There's mm-hmm. Yep. And she goes down to her local hospital, gets herself checked out, and at the end of the day. It turns out that, yes, she did have stage, I believe it was stage two breast cancer that had already formed and and hardened. But Stage two two is a good time to catch it. That's right. And that's exactly what they did. She went through some rounds of chemotherapy. They cut the thing out. And now she is cancer free. Saved by the dog. Saved by the yeah. dog. Now, okay. we there's talked moral, about... There's a moral of this story. Get a dog. Well, we talked about a story last week where a lady was saved from a heart attack by a cat. And now this lady's been saved by a dog. So we're seeing pretty equal pegging here so far. Yeah, but if you... <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I, I spent too much time there last week, so I'm going to stay away from that conversation today. <laughs> but praise God for this animal who has done an amazing job in basically saving this woman's yeah. life. You know, if it progresses any further than that, you know, up to stage three and stage four cancer, we're talking about a time in which it can be pretty much... The We've actually talked about be in the past. Irreversible. Training dogs to diagnose and to find cancer. Mm. Well, this is a dog that they just picked up from the yes. pound for yes. 200 bucks that's, that has saved this woman's life. So, incredible story right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
We're about to have another clue for our quiz. It's just getting started this week. You have amazing prizes to win, so get in there, get your name in the hat. We want as many names in that hat as we possibly can. It's not actually a hat, that's a wheel. It's a wheel, and we spin it. You know what I mean. And I love saying, spin that wheel, and then we spin it. It's the best. So you have to be listening on Friday. You get your name on the wheel. Uh Uh-huh. Correct. Which is on Producer Shell's phone. That's right. It's not a... We don't have a real wheel here, unfortunately. That would be really awesome. We have awesome. a digital wheel. We have a digital wheel that's spinning around. Spin it with your finger. Now, guys, this question that I'm about to give, this quiz question, no one should get it incorrect. In fact, I think that everyone will get it correct. So and then we want everyone to call through with the right. answer. You have to. 0491-064-664. If you don't, you're lame. Six. Or on the road. <laughs> the, the secret of Samson's strength. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, the secret of the secret. Okay. The secret of Samson's strength was in his what? Why was Samson strong? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you don't get this correct. Like, we can't be friends. Like, if you don't get this correct, you didn't go to school or you did, you've never left your house. Like, okay, you could have never left your house but read the Bible and then you would definitely know this. But Well, like, there's a bunch of people out there that never read the Bible and sort of didn't grow up with any kind of Bible stories. But, but they will know this. And if you, don't, if you sincerely don't know it... Well, congratulations. So you're listening to Faith FM. Amen. Like, you're, about, you're about to find out. You're about to find out. 0491-064-669. What was the secret of Samson's strength? And, of course, if you get that one correct, you will go into the draw to win our Conflict of the Ages Bible Study Companion box set. Probably one of the greatest, uh, I would say, yeah, greatest series of extra-biblical literature that you could ever read, a commentary that starts right from before Genesis to after Revelation. 0491-064-669. Okay, so heading over to some more serious news this morning. Where did it go? Here it is. Uh, We have some interesting research coming out. A poll in Australia in relationship to banning advertising on junk food, gambling and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And it seems Australians are actually really intelligent. Really? Because universally they support bans on those three things being advertised on TV. Now, from what rationale? Because many of Australians are engaged in all three of those things. Yeah, and I think that they see that all those three of those things are negative. Uh-huh. Okay, so this was Australian Think Tank poll. Uh, they polled more than a 1,000 people. The current ba- they, They've used the current ban on tobacco advertising as an example, and it remains popular, with 74% of the population supporting the current ban on tobacco advertising. I was actually surprised that that was that low. I thought it would be a lot more like 90% mm. who would support that because it has been so good for our country. We've got one of the lowest smoking rates anywhere on the planet. Mm. Okay, what was interesting was that that 74% was equal across all parties, except for some of the minor libertarian parties, like One Nation and so forth. And mm. you can, you know, libertarian parties are always going to be against this kind of uh, thing. Mm. But even the libertarian parties, the majority still supported the ban on tobacco advertising mm. uh, at 52%. All right, uh, only 11% of Australians just. 11% of Australians support advertising for gambling. Good. 
That's a massive, massively low number. Mm -hmm. When you think of the percentage of Australians who actually participate in gambling, I think what you've got here is that they recognise that this is not a positive thing. Yeah, this is the world would be better off without it. Yeah. So I don't know whether that says Australians are super smart because they can see that this is a bad thing, or super dumb because. They're doing something they know is bad. Mm. Well, maybe there's not that many people who gamble. Maybe I've just got the wrong idea here and less than 11% of the population actually gambles. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Junk food during children's times. There was 72% of the population supports banning advertising of junk food during children's uh, viewing times, and I think that's a fantastic idea. Just just ban the thing altogether. Just do like a tobacco ban on all three of these and we're in fine shape. Yeah. Just let's just eat apples, bro. That's it. <laughs> Don't turn them into cider. Just eat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, alcohol. The majority of Australians support a ban on alcohol advertising. Yeah, I think if I talk to you know many of my family members and extended family members, all of which drink. Uh, I'm very much the the odd one out in in the fact that I don't drink. Uh, but they, they they all see that as a positive. They would say, yeah, as bear, a positive in your life, right? Bear, bear, oh, a hundred percent. It's like the the one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made is to to not drink. But like they they would say, yes, yeah, we should ban alcohol advertising. <laughs> like I don't think they would have a problem with even even with alcohol going down the route of like plain packaging as well. Yes, like, and plain packaging and also packaging that has cancer on it. Yeah, and gross colours, and you know, to dissuade you from drinking. Yes. Like, I think they would, they would say, yeah, that's probably the route to go because I, I think the majority of the people, the majority of people who drink, can say, yeah, this is a bad thing. I think they need to change all of the taps in the pub to look like petrol bowsers. <laughs> so you know, you you put it in and squeeze the handle in the cup, you know, mm-hmm. because it's reminding people this is actually not something that you would put in your body. This is a kind of fuel that you might use in an internal combustion engine, but not mm. something you would drink. I went to lunch with a group of people the other day, and most of these people were church people who were celebrating a birthday from a person from my church. And, and one of my really good friends who I don't think they've been to a, a bar or pub before in their life. We weren't at a bar or a pub. We were at a Thai restaurant, but they had like a, you know, a bit of a bar set up or whatever. None of us drink, so we're just all there drinking water. So your good friend who has been raised in cotton wool. Yeah. They look over and they saw they saw all the taps for the for the drinks, right? And they have like the logos and whatnot on top of yes. you know, for the listeners who have ever been to the pub, you know, you've got all the it's like advertising basically. It's like, yeah, we've we've got this on tap. And they were like, Wow, that's so cool. Like, look at all those drinks. Like, oh man, there's so many different drinks there. That's awesome. Like, oh, maybe we should get some. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's <laughs> Never been to a party. Yeah, yeah. This person was really raised they, in cotton They ball. thought that that was just like all like, I don't know, tea or... soft drinks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, uh, my friend, uh, this is this is all we alcohol. Should, we should name them and call them out on air. No, we wouldn't no, do that. We would amazing. never do such a thing. But uh, I was like, my friend, this is not the type of drinks that you would want to have. And I'm mm. like, wait, what, really? But yeah, like, just just get rid of the taps as well and in the pubs and yeah. All right, so banning advertising on fossil fuels. This one was a little bit more edgy. Mm -hmm. Only 41% of Australians approve a ban on advertising for fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty hard to do because, I mean, when you buy fossil fuels every day and how are you going to 
have a ban on advertising for something like that. I mean, this is this is a media ban, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, cigarette smoking, that kind of stuff, you can't advertise that with a sign on the side of the street, whereas mm. you kind of need a sign on the side of the street to know how much you're going to pay for that fuel. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's just like a different situation. Like, I, I understand, like, the net, like, the net terribleness of fossil fuels in terms of like people people viewing fossil fuels in the sense of like oh this is bad for our environment so we shouldn't encourage people to use it but the only way we'd encourage people not to use it is if we just banned cars which is something that is definitely not happening anytime soon yes so, no it's that, not happening that's kind of a problem <laughs> all right so here we go uh liberty university in the united states has got a record incoming student numbers they also have the largest residential population that they've had at any given time they made this statement here we stand unapologetically unapologetically on the word of god and we're not afraid to go right on the cutting edge of cultural frontline issues and training the next generation against all the machinations of the woke Mm. Uh, but doing so with the word of God, something that doesn't change regardless of where culture might rest, we're standing firm. So it's interesting to see what's taking place here. The popular uh, mantra that is out there, go woke, go broke, and we do see that happening and we see people who are standing up against it and they're actually doing remarkably well. I guess the only thing that concerns me about this is that this is also an institution that does stand strongly for Union of Church and State. Jerry mm. Falwell, who formed it, also formed the Moral Majority and the purpose of the Moral Majority was to influence United States politics and to form a Union of Church mm. and State. And so this is something that we're seeing from both the left and the right recently one side brings down religious liberty, the other side creates union of church and state. Both work together to bring about Revelation 13. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have an interview coming up very soon, but before we get into it, we will have another clue for the quiz. What was the name of the god that fell before the Ark of the Covenant? 0491-064-669. Very specific story there about the, I believe it was the Philistines kidnapping the Ark of the Covenant. And if you know what the name of the god was who fell before the Ark of the Covenant, you can give us a call again. 0491-064-669. Call or text that number and you will be able to answer the quiz and enter our draw for the Conflict of the Ages box set. Probably one of the great Greatest commentaries written on the Bible from before Genesis to after Revelation. But give us a call again, 0491-064-669. Joining me on the phone this morning is Bruce Doble. And Bruce is a regular contributor to the show, somebody who calls through and shares some fascinating insights from the Bible from time to time. So we always appreciate what Bruce has to share with us. Some time ago, we shared the story of Chris, Chris who had a parachute accident that tragically took the life of his parachute instructor. Bruce has a story about parachuting as well, and it's a part of his testimony. So we thought we'd invite Bruce on to share his testimony this morning. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be on. Now, Bruce, in giving us a little bit of background to your story, what kind of a home did you grow up in? Did you grow up in a a Christian home? Did you have God-fearing parents, or was it a more secular home? Well, we went to the Anglican Church till I was about 10 years old, and then my parents stopped going. But really, they didn't know Jesus. It was just a done thing in that time. People just went to church. Yeah, so more or less part of the culture. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so you've got a little bit of spiritual background there. I guess you would have learned some of the Bible stories, if nothing else, yeah. as you're going to Sunday school and whatnot growing up. And your parents stopped going to church at the age of 10. Was it something that you missed? And it's like, oh, I really wish that we were at church again? Or was it just sort of a bit of a non-event in your life? Probably a bit of a non-event in some ways. It's just, uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Surprisingly, we sang, I sang in the choir and we're pretty involved. But I never read my Bible, so I wasn't into reading. I'm more of a physical person. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, I knew a lot of the Bible from the stories. Yeah, for sure. But other than that... Now, I want to get to this part of the story where there's a change in your life, and I understand some parachuting has something to do with it. I know you're, you've lived a life of service to God for a very, very long time. How did that, how did that journey start? Well, it really started by I just felt there was something missing in my life. You know, and when I'm in my late, not early 20s, I'm starting to go to church, but not getting anything from going to church. So what prompted you to go to church at that particular time? So you stopped going when you were 10, a bit of a non-event, but at some point you've been prompted to go back and see if you can find something. What might have initiated that? Well, I had a car accident when I was about 18. I rolled a car, and, and so... I'm thinking, you know, what's life all about? And I'm thinking, and I couldn't relate to, oh, when you die, you go to heaven, sit on a cloud and strum a heart. You know, that just wasn't reality to me, you know, at that time. And, and so I was really searching. I feel there's something missing because I'm in a motorbike, I'm in the skydiving stuff, you know, and, and I'm reasonably content yet something missing. There's something missing, you know, mm. in my life. And it was interesting because I was working with this guy on the building site because I'm carpenter by trade, and something different about him. And I thought, what is it? You know. And I realised later on he doesn't swear. And so I got talking to him, and lo and behold, this guy's a Jehovah Witness and a really lovely Christian guy. You know, like I really, I think he had a big bearing on me becoming a Christian. You know, because I really appreciated him being a man's man, and yet. He didn't swear, and he was real, you know, really lovely guy. But he told me that when you die, you go to sleep, and death like a sleep until Christ comes back, and that's the truth that we believe. Mm. And at that time, could really relate to that because even though he didn't say what happens afterwards, but I could relate to that because we go to sleep at night, and we wake up in the morning, no recollection of time. So I knew that when I die, when I wake up, I'll see Jesus. You know, that was. That was my understanding at that time. Sure. And, and so at this time, as when I was into skydiving, I'd been doing it for a few years, probably had about nearly 200 jumps up by then. What, 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 uh, what year was this? I'm not too sure, but I was 20, around about 25 when I had this accident. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 71 now. Okay, so years ago. About 40, 46 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, I'd gone up in the plane. And, and we just come down and I just landed after and this guy come up over to me and he's one of the instructors and he says, look, we need another person to fill the plane up. He said, would you be willing to go up and I'll lend you my rig because I just landed. I hadn't had time to pack my rig. So I got up, put his rig on, got in the plane and we went up. But the thing about with his rig, it was an experimental rig and instead of having a ripcord, he had a throwaway pilot suit. And so, anyway, we get up in the plane, jump out, do some things with some guys, break away. 
and I throw this pilot chute out into the air, and it's supposed to catch the air and pull that chute out. Mm. But there was one thing that I that you should check, and I never checked because I didn't have to on my rig. And what was wrong was the cord going from this pilot chute to the parachute was wrapped around my belt that holds the rig on. Oh, no. So the parachute's not going to open. And at this time, so I'm thinking I'd go through the procedure you're normally supposed to go through away from your main chute before you dump your first. But my main chute wasn't already accepted, you know, it was still on the back. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the ground and I've got this what we call ground rush. When you're coming at the ground and you're close and it's parting. And I thought, oh, I'm dead here. But then the thought went in my mind then was, oh, well, next thing I'll see Jesus. So I just closed my eyes, pulled the reserve, and just waited for the, you know, the bang. And the chute opened about 150 feet from the ground, and you're falling at 200 feet a second. So that's less than a second to hit the deck. And when it opened, I was right above power line. And I thought, oh, no, save the fall, try the life. But luckily, there was a slight breeze and it blew me onto the other side of the line and I landed quite safely. You know? And when I landed, it was like a voice in my head said, God has something more for you to do. And, um, and so that was the start of my walk with God in one sense. And then it was only about a month or later, I had this friend of mine who was trying to get me to come to Pastor Carter who was running a mission in Aubrey Church at that time and I was I started to go I kept putting it off Not that I didn't want to go so busy doing things but this, this weekend I just thought I'm going to go but lo and behold I had a, I had a motorbike accident on the Friday mm. and this drunk driver ran into me at an intersection I broke my leg in six places and Ended up in actually St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. This happened in Aubrey, mm-hmm. uh, Melbourne. And while I was in hospital there, I was there for three months on my back. I couldn't get out of um, out of bed. It was fortunate I still got my leg actually. Anyway, while I was there, my sister gave me a Bible. So here I am, three months on my back. What to do? Fortunately, it was a living Bible because I wasn't into reading, so I wasn't a good reader. But I got the Living Bible and I started reading the Bible. And anyway, I had an experience there while I was in hospital where I didn't care what they did to me when they put me in theatre because you're asleep. You don't know anything about it, you know. But sure. I didn't like them touching me while I'm, while I'm in bed. Anyway, they took me into theatre to do a skin graft. And when I came out, I was talking to the nurse afterwards and she said, oh, they put the skin on while you're in bed a couple of days later. And within that two days, I just got so fearful of what was happening that I became totally paralyzed. Mm. I couldn't even talk. And when they did it, when they did the skin graft, it was no drama, you know. But I was in this state, this my mind, you know, like a nervous breakdown, you know, I couldn't mm. talk. And I just claimed this promise in the Bible where God, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And I said, God, if you're real, I'm asking you to heal me. And the next day, they took me out of bed for the first time in three months. And that day, I believed that God was healing. You know, within a couple of days, I was healed. And God, I was saying to people, God's real, God's real, you know. Yeah, praise God. 
yeah, that's when I became a born-again Christian in hospital. That's a remarkable story, and you've had a remarkable life there, Bruce. I think if you, you have a car accident, you roll the car, then you have a parachute accident where you are one second, literally one second from death, um, and, and then you have uh, a motorbike accident, just just at the point. And, and, and as an evangelist, it's something that I've seen so many times. You've got somebody who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come to the program, I'm going to come to the program, and uh, the devil loves to throw something in the way to create an accident. I've heard this story so many times over, and yet God still reaches you in your hospital. You mentioned that your sister gave you a Bible. Your sister, yep. was she somebody who had, you know, obviously she's had a conversion experience up there somewhere on the line as well? My sister, well, because she got married and had children, she was going to church, you know. Mm-hmm. I gather like we were kids, you know, take your children to church. But in the long run, uh, she uh, ended up not going to church when the kids got older and whatever, and she's actually gone into new age movement sort of thing. Right. There's like crystal, all that sort of business, which is a shame. But, yeah, and I, I just praise God for that, you know, because when I left Melbourne after a bit over three months, I went to Albury Hospital for a month, and this lady who wanted me to come to the mission, she gave me the tapes from the mission, cassette tapes, and I started listening to them. And then straight away after that, I knew this was the truth. And um, because I knew the truth about death, I actually knew the truth about the Sabbath because I used to get the Plain Truth magazines when I was a kid. Never read them. But I used to listen to Garner Ted Armstrong on the Worldwide Church of God on the radio before mm-hmm. TV. And so I was always sort of going that way. And so I started attending the church and got baptized a couple of years later because I couldn't because of my leg. And ever since then, yeah, I've been working for the Lord in different ways. It's amazing how that God uses so many different things. I mean, you learned Bible stories in the Anglican Church. You were given a, given a Bible by your sister who was going to another church again. You learned, you know, good living from a Jehovah's Witness. You learned, you learned about the Sabbath from um, Armstrong. You learned about, you know, a whole bunch of other, you learned the state of the dead from your Jehovah's Witness friend. And then it sort of all comes together for you with the John Carter. And of course, John Carter was a, a famous evangelist from back in the day. I believe, yeah. I believe he's still alive. I'm not sure how much preaching he does these days, but he'd certainly be getting up in the years. And, you know, everybody's journey has so many different people who are a part of that journey. Now, since you gave your life to God, you've really been somebody who's dedicated your life in service. You've, you've served in a number of different areas with your building skills and real practical areas. And so, you know, we just praise God for how God's been able to use you. Yeah, yeah, well, I just praise God too, you know. At the moment, we're, we're down here. I, I'm the elder of the Hillsville Church, and so we sort of using there, and I'm actually been help, starting to help out in this Maker Hills program that's been running, been running down here as well. So, so what, which yeah, program been, is that again that you're working with? What's it called? It's called Maker Hills. Okay. And it's run by uh, Joy Cho, is the one running it, and She's actually doing one up there, up in Northern Territory at the moment. She did one just recently in uh, Brisbane, I think it was, or up in Queensland, and she's run a few down here. The first one she ran was at Abide, but then she's been running around at Jumbana, another place near near Warburton. And what kind of a program is that? What does it actually accomplish? Well, it works on the eight laws of health, but what they do, they do a three three day fruit fast, and then they do recovery meals. And it's basically so simple that, you know, drinking water at the right time, not with your meals, you know, exercising, doing your walks and like a vegan diet. And um, it's amazing how people get healed. 
mm. of different maladies they have, you know, because it's just lifestyle, really. Yeah, absolutely. What I like about this program is they really stress that God's the healer. Even though you're doing all this stuff and we're following his laws, it's still up to God. You can have the belief that God is the healer. Mm. And, uh, and I think that spiritual part of it, 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 it because it, 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 it oh, how can I say it? The three areas of our lives, mental, physical, and spiritual, it meets all those three areas. Yes. And that's why I believe it works. Yes, absolutely. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. You have a fascinating story, and you've certainly painted a word picture in my mind of certain events from 47 years ago when, well, I guess parachuting wasn't as big as it is these days, and what an adventure your life has been since you gave your life to God. We're going to move on with the show right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.